1: The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised.
2: The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sasbeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the Internet's only we're sending our thoughts to John Podcast. <laughs> I'm Joel Gasson with John Fraser as usual, and uh, we have a few things to get to today. No real yeah. super, you know, pressing issues, but uh, the CFL is in the news again for a variety of reasons, which I'm yep. sure you're all fairly aware of at this point, so I'm not going to go over them in it too deep right now, because, well, we might not have much to talk about after, quite frankly. Right. But before we get to all that, um, <sighs> it's been a tough... Week week get a bit for our boy yep. John Fraser here as um, really has been as I'm sure you know the news by now that one Sergio Castillo has left <sighs> the Winnipeg Blue Bombers he for has. the Edmonton Elks. So the good news is that Sergio's still around. Yes, he's still in the CFL, which is always better than not in the CFL or the NFL.
1: Right, right. And, and but and I, see, but at the was, same time,
2: I... John finally you know was able to reach for the pinnacle. You saw his boy be the unofficial Grey Cup MVP, and then, like all good things, it they came must... to an
1: end. It did. It 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 did. You see, it's funny because uh, through uh, Colin Hodgson, who of course the Ada Nation episode, uh, I I have gotten to know Sean White a little bit, and so it's like I'm just used to having a kicker I really like being in Edmonton, and I was I was pretty distraught. I was uh, I was shaken up, but uh, I actually had the chance. text with sergio which softened the blow um because yeah he did want to go back to winnipeg but you know i said i'm like hey man you gotta look out for number one uh i totally understand it i get it uh and i was basically in a full depression moping around everywhere drinking my face off more than usual until this ray of light happened about a week ago i think it was last thursday I get this call from reception at work saying, John, there's some guy here for you. And first I go, I ain't expecting anybody, which usually like, okay, that, that's one thing when you get the unexpected person looking for you at the job I do, it's mm-hmm. rarely ever good. No. It's no. like, this is bad, my car has blown up, the bank took an extra payment, brah! And instead there's a handsome guy in cover all standing there with a nondescript looking bag. And I walk up and he's like, sorry for your loss. And at first I was confused because my walls were up. <laughs> but so I like Dave, if you're listening, and I know you are, I, I apologize that I was so confused at first because I'm like, my walls are up. Okay, who is, which customer is this? Who is this? Okay, what's going on? And then I see this label on this bag that is basically <laughs> the design of our Sergio shirts with the long S's <laughs> that says, sorry. And I'm like, I put two and two together. It is Dave bringing me a care package of pierogies and I can tell you A, they are so good (laughs) and B, as soon as I realized what was going on my day turned around my depression lifted as the weight of my heart is always with food or booze so thank you Dave for making this man feel better about his boy leaving and I am tonight wiping my tears while wearing my number 14 blue bomber jersey
2: and I mean at the end of the day as the saying goes, and I believe I tweeted this at you at the night when, you know, when we learned Sergio was going to Edmonton, when he, of course, announced yeah. it himself. Um, you know, it is better to have loved than lost than never to have loved at all, right?
1: You, you know what? It's better that he didn't end up signing with the Tiger Cats and mm-hmm. become the MVP in that Grey Cup. and said he was, it was like, you better know. Better yet, my... not win the Grey Cup, right? Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. My longtime favorite kicker, re-signing with the team where I started my bro crush on him. Um, yeah, it all came together for a championship. so uh, i I am a big believer of the old Bill Simmons back, you know, in his early days. He used to say that you've got a grace period after your team wins a championship that mm-hmm. you can't be really upset and and the Bill Simmons take was that's five years. I think of the CFL because it's a small league it's three years. So for the next three years, but does it
2: does it like you know build on top of each other for back to back?
1: I think so. I would say so, yes. So I would yeah. almost come, I will come out on the record and say that the Bombers can go over and get rid of all my favorite players <laughs> in the next five years. And I'll just go, yeah, well, we won and we had Sergio.
2: At the very so, least, yeah, Sergio being in that game and the rightful MVP.
1: Oh, should win the MVP. That's, that's like, that's, that was like
2: bonus points on the back to back and the grace period afterwards, really.
1: Oh, 100%. And the thing is that I love with that was, uh, <laughs> was the number of people that were too, like <laughs> texting me like, I can't believe Sergio was so awesome at the game. I'm like, I told you all. Told you he saved us once. He was brought here to save us again. So we, uh, yeah. So I was right. Uh, y'all were, were wrong. I can sing the I was right song. But I I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall, especially when uh, the crew at our website, at uh, Three Down Nation, put out the, like, salary cap piece. Mm-hmm and Sergio still hadn't signed and Winnipeg is basically already over the cap. Yeah. And a player of Sergio's caliber is not 60 grand, right? Like, you know, he signed for reported, I believe it was 125 and he or he deserves every single dime of that. He is consistently proven to be an all-star kicker in the CFL and just a great personality and that's why I'm also glad as as I mentioned that I was texting with Sergio, no, I did not steal his phone number i did not that is not something i did i'm a bit of a stalker i'm not that much of a stalker but uh he actually we reached out to him shortly after the gray cup he or or, it was the curling trials weekend when uh winnipeg media was going nuts over my sergio jersey Mm -hmm. uh and he reached out and we said let's get you on the podcast sometime and you know he went back home and he's been busy down there in texas and we've been busy here in canada and uh yeah, so we finally got confirmation that we are going to have Sergio on the podcast. And this is no longer a TBD thing.
2: No, because um, I, re- I remember we initially kind of had sort of a date set up a while ago that we talked about on social media, but not on this yeah. podcast. And then life kind of got in the way and we kind of stopped. But yeah, no, it's it's happening for real this time. Uh, it is going to drop after this episode sometime, a few days later, probably.
1: Yeah, yeah. We So the recording is happening actually same night that we are recording so if some like massive global event like thermonuclear war breaks out and we're not discussing it with sergio which i mean at this point i wouldn't
2: rule out anything
1: really i'm I'm really see the reason i'm saying it is i'm hoping for the reverse fraser curse here yeah like if i say oh the world's gonna end before we put out the sergio pod i'm really hoping that the fraser curse could turn this whole situation in europe around real quick it's powerful I mean, it is.
2: We know it is, yeah.
1: If if things de-escalate like tomorrow, I I I, I might go and uh, like I might start using my powers for good. Like I, I'm going to honestly start believe believing that you know uh, I have the power to curse things. So uh, let's try another one. GameStop won't continue rising. <laughs> is that one that one there too? Yeah. It's, that it's one? There, no, I I don't know. Okay. Well let's see what the price action does after we record this.
2: Yeah. Um CFL is hoping that they can uh continue rising with ah, interest in their league uh-huh. as uh conversations yet again about sort of the future of this league and where it should go and what it should do and what are the magic silver bullets out there that can apparently save this league is of course all over the news again as that uh, seems to be the league's go-to to keep itself relevant during the months uh the month of March especially as uh. things kind of crawl to a halt. But um so we're going to get into all that as usual as uh I mean, it's cheap, easy content, and that's what we're here for, really.
1: It's true, and and it is one of the few things that I think actually makes me mad these days, mm. so you'll see some guaranteed, probably, Fraser rants in and around this episode.
2: Yeah, but as usual, before we get to all of that, uh, for the Parlabones Brewing Company this week, John, what is in the glass?
1: In the glass this week, and I have to thank... My favorite bartender, Mark, at the Nutana Curling Club, all-around great guy. We were talking about beers we liked a few weeks ago, and he's from Warman. He goes, "There's this place called Homebound. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have a ton of products on the shelf. I haven't really seen it in my travels, uh, but we do have it. It's it,
2: always Vickscar. We
1: have a few, a little bit of it left." See, and I looked at uh, Sobe's uh, Stonebridge mm-hmm. after Mark mentioned it. It wasn't there. But Mark was kind enough to gift me a four-pack of the Pineapple Pale Ale. It's great. It really is. Like, Yeah. I would, you, you think something like that. You're like, okay, this is just going to be like – I always find it's dangerous with, with fruity beers, especially from – you know guys that aren't quite as well known uh like now i know pile of bones and rebellion and 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 those guys they all know how to play with fruits but uh pineapple pale ale is is really nice it's one of those fruity beers that'll knock you on your ass at seven percent but nice little hint of pineapple with a little pale ale in there and it's actually i was mistaken i thought it was an ipa and then talking to mark it no it's just a pale ale so uh if, if you want to get into a fruity beer uh, that doesn't punch you in the face with hops, if that's not your thing. I highly recommend the homebound Pineapple Pale Ale. It's also fun to say. Uh, and the label kicks ass. There's a deer on there with a couple guys and beards. And one of them's got a raccoon skin cap. Looks awesome. So uh, thank you, Mark. And uh, yeah, well, everybody's being so nut. You know what? I think Sergio leaving just has put everybody in a <laughs> nice to me. I love it, Joel.
2: It's going to end at some point, but yeah.
1: I uh, Yeah, probably already.
2: Yeah, no, Homebone, good stuff. Uh, I had some of the Dr. Beaks IPA and when it came down this way. Uh, they dropped off a small shipment at the store, and uh, yeah, pretty good stuff. I've heard nothing but good things about them. That's all I've been able to try so far as, uh, yeah, pretty hard to get outside of Warman and uh, don't really spend a whole lot of time there. Uh, for me, I have uh, the unofficial official beer of the podcast. We probably don't need mm-hmm. really to say much more better at this point. It is, of course, the Pile of Bones White IPA. Uh, light citrusy little hoppy just perfectly crushable as uh, the weather is turning so the beers are slowly starting to lighten up a little bit
1: yeah no 100% we're into light beers we are into not light beer season but uh, no, no. L- lightener beer season yeah
2: like the imperial stouts kind of go away and the other things start to kind of intrigue my
1: palate a little more than that it's true I had a Guinness on St. Paddy's Day and reminded myself that I really don't like stouts <laughs> I mean Guinness is not a Unless you're having a right in Ireland, fresh from the brewery, I wouldn't
2: really recommend it anyway.
1: So. Yeah, and, and this one had been sitting in my fridge since before the great Cup. Yeah, and it was probably old to begin with. So. It, it was no bueno. <laughs> it was no
2: bueno. Uh, for many people, no bueno is maybe, of course, uh, what is being discussed right now when it comes to uh, where the CFL should go. As yet again, we are having another conversation about whether the CFL should, for the most part, I think most of the conversation has rendered around whether the league should go to four downs yes and i've kind of gone back and forth this back and forth on this little bit in my mind over the years and yeah i think i'm firmly on team three down at this point just Mm -hmm. because i think ultimately like i think there are benefits to four down football there's no question about it but for four down football to work in canada would require too many other changes yeah that it would be it just wouldn't be worth it. You would rendering, you know, sort of the uniqueness of the Canadian game, you would neuter it completely. And there would yep. be, essentially, you would just be a light version of American football again, which again, is, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but I don't really think there's much point in being the same thing, because as we've seen, you know, from a lot of other leagues, being the same thing doesn't necessarily work. Because ultimately, I think four downs on a Canadian-sized field, more so the width and the length, but also, you know, and the yard off the ball and the whole thing, it would just lead to offenses being even blander and more boring that we've already watched, and probably even more boring yep. than like sort of the the peak of the three yards in a cloud of dust NFL.
1: Well, and and you you said it exactly right. Between the width of the field, between the yard off the ball, like you know, the good running backs in Canada, it's it's it seems like it's always a gam. It's almost like such a gamble to run, but you have these stud running backs that can rip off four, five, six yards at all times, right and I just can only imagine you take offensive coaches, give them four downs in Canada. I guarantee you're seeing at least two runs out of those four downs, especially with the yard off the ball. the width. you know, you're so close to breaking one with a talented running back. So, you know, does all of that stay all of that stuff that makes it so unique? Uh, No, I and and it was Justin Dunk that said it. uh, And to quote our fearless leader, if you go to four downs, you were suddenly you're just the third best four down league in North America. Obviously, the NFL and the NCAA in terms of getting eyeballs and entertainment value, right? So Uh I am staunchly against it. I, I see some of the appeal of it. You can make yourself a bit more of a feeder league to the NFL to whatever else. But, I mean, aren't we already doing that? You know, our top talent... Is more often than not given an opportunity to get nfl looks you know how Mm -hmm. genuine some Mm -hmm. of them are i mean you look at you know the cam wakes even Mm -hmm. way back in the day jeff garcia doug flutie like i'm trying to think of some more recent guys it will even duke williams had a couple we don't talk
2: about jeff garcia on this podcast anymore
1: no that's no. you are right he is a piece of shit you do not come after my biggest celebrity crush no not just for her looks but for her football knowledge you don't jeff jeff garcia is dead nobody goes after nobody goes after my girl mina anyways as an aside um (laughs) that's the world has now learned who my biggest celebrity crush is for more than one reason i could watch her talk football all day so knowledgeable so insightful. Anyways, sorry, Joel. My mind mm-hmm. has gone off. That's my off- fault. I, I brought us there. So you, di- you did. You did. <laughs> you, you knew exactly where my mind would go. But uh, everybody except he, else who shall not be named. Um, you know, Duke Williams has been down there uh, lately. Brandon Zilstra, like uh, Alex Singleton, like we are producing top end players for the NFL. Guys are getting a look. So what's this whole thing on being a developmental league, right? NFL teams. Going to four downs with the hope of getting, you know, some new, some college wideout that hasn't seen enough time on the field sent down to you—it's—it's it's not going to happen. Like it's just, any of these delusions aren't going to happen. NFL personnel men aren't going to send anybody that they could think even potentially play because of a fear of injuries, right? Mm-hmm. So I think going to four downs just to maybe get another player or two to the NFL a year, or maybe get another player or two back, is is just it's stupid it's dumb it's one of the things that makes us uniquely canadian and it should never go away
2: yeah and and the other side of it like there's been there's been some surveys and there seems to be allegedly um a significant amount of interest amongst those who don't watch the cfl and saying oh if it was four downs i'd watch and the only thing i say to that is i call bullshit on that essentially um, well exactly i i have no, i've known some people you know friends and friends and those kinds of people who would say they watch the cfl if it's four downs but you know, but to me, to, no, to me, they, it kind of feels like the anti-vaxxers, the goalposts will always be moving. Right. Um, so if the CFL went to four downs, hypothetically speaking, you know, maybe a few, the more of them start watching, but ultimately I don't think enough do because you are going to lose fans over it and that's, that's yep. fine. That's their prerogative. But, and you know, if any move, you know, any sort of major move may or may not affect sort of the hardcore fan base it is right now, but you have to weigh that as well, is the net gain worth it? And that's sort of the question, and I don't think ultimately the four-down you know, net gain would be worth it no. in the long term because I don't believe most people who say they'd start watching CFL if it was four-downs,
1: quite frankly. No, certainly. I mean, just look at TV numbers for U.S. college football in, here in Canada.
2: No, like, like, like realistically, I, I don't think there are as many football fans in right. Canada as people will say there are. I don't even know if there are a lot of NFL fans in Canada, as people would say, because I think sort of the ratings suggest... That the majority of people who watch the NFL and football in Canada, you know, in larger numbers than normal, do so on Sunday afternoon. So to me, if they're only watching, you know, whatever the slate of games is on CTV on Sunday afternoon, because the Monday night ratings aren't, you know, through the roof, the Sunday night ratings aren't through the roof, the Thursday night ratings certainly aren't through the roof. So really, it's a Sunday afternoon, which says to me, okay these people aren't necessarily watching because they love football. They're watching because they're having a lot of fun with fantasy and gambling. And so, you know, so, so the idea is, okay, are these people actually football fans? Or is this, you know, is this something that they've been drawn into through a variety of, for a variety of different reasons?
1: Well, and you you brought it up and, and and I, I think we move into that topic where what the CFL has been doing to, to grab fans. And everybody says gambling is this big cure all, Right. not but anyway it no it's not i am a sports gambler i mm-hmm. enjoy gambling on sports but the reason i enjoy gambling on sports is because i think i can win money gambling yes. on sports because yeah. i think i'm pretty knowledgeable there are people out there um some
2: people out there who have you know said and they've you know that's kind of been the discussion since gambling you know became legalized in canada at least single game bet ban- gambling is said like, go oh, people will gamble on anything well no people will want to people you know right there are people who will gamble on anything they should probably seek help and then you know that's sort of the you <laughs> know fair a part of the discussion around how much should we be promoting gambling as well but that's another discussion for another day um cuz at the same time it does, and then ultimately i think most people who end up gambling do so on sports that they know and enjoy yeah, exactly. and it gives them you know sort of a little extra incentive to watch or they actually cuz you said you know for us, we would say, okay, we may we may gamble on football and curling because we know the sport. I'm not yeah. going to suddenly go gamble on tennis. I don't know anything no. about it. <laughs>
1: it, it. Well, that's exactly it. And, and the one that drives me nuts, and to me it's frustrating, Joel, mm-hmm. how glaringly obvious the solution is, and everybody seems to put up roadblocks on it, is fantasy football. You, could you tie it in with gambling? Yeah, you probably could. But at its face value... If you sign up for ESPN fantasy football for the NFL, you don't have to pay anything. If your buddy runs a league, like I run a league and everybody pays 50 bucks and we go in and we play. And, you know, I buy myself a new driver because I kicked everybody's asses this year. But even for me, I I find, and this is my own experience, like I wasn't a huge football guy. And then I got into fantasy because it was like free. Buddy ran a league. It was 10 bucks or whatever. We were in high school. Who cares? And that got me into watching more games. Watching more games got me more into football. Watching more football got me buying tickets and merch and the whole kind of thing, right? So it just – it annoys me that that nobody and, – and don't bullshit me in that salary cap TSN game. That thing – that's boring as hell. Like that is boring as hell. I don't – like I am surrounded by people that play all sorts of – fan like fantasy everything. Like, like I got one buddy in Northern Ontario, who was, he was texting me about, you know, Fantasy NBA and Fantasy March Madness, and, you know, he's, it, his games are a little rich for my blood, and same thing, I don't know anything about it, so I'm not going to spend my money and do it, but it just, it aggravates me that you get mouthpieces for the CFL when you suggest this on Twitter, the most obvious, you know, <laughs> the most obvious solution to bring in a pretty healthy set of new fans, like, you can't tell me. That with the existing partnerships between TSN and ESPN with their fantasy hockey, that you can't somehow find a way to do a successful, real, full-season CFL fantasy. Well, it'll it, it cost too much money. Well, shit! Your ROI on that would be through the roof, and it annoys me. Like, I'm I, I looking at my own personal experience. My brother-in-law is in my fantasy league this year. He barely watched NFL football. Guess what? He pays for zone every year now. Now has a favorite team. I think he bought a jersey, Right. It's, it's one of those things that just, it's it's there, it's established, it's proven. You got a fantasy sports network, you got a fantasy, like, you got fantasy specialists, you have people that charge the athletic, you know, is charging for fantasy advice. ESPN Insider charged for fantasy advice. Could it get that big? Is there another revenue stream there? Absolutely there is. Like, that's the annoying thing. You're sitting on a new revenue stream, but your head's too far up your ass because you're going, oh, this might be hard, we can't do it. And then to say that people won't pay? Well, you know what? I love fantasy football. I did. And I mean, this is no disrespect to the guys that run it. I know how hard they worked in that program, but the UI wasn't exactly user-friendly. Build a user-friendly platform like Yahoo or ESPN or one of the other fan tracks, one of the other hundreds of fantasy sites out there. There's so many of them. You can't tell me somebody wouldn't do it. And it would bring you so many fans. You, you make it free. You jam it full of advertising. You have fantasy insight and articles. And you get rid of that stupid salary cap game. That if you're spending a dime on it, you're wasting your money. It's just—it's frustrating. It's so obvious to me, Joel. Like this is a hill <sighs> I will die on.
2: I know. I know it is for you. And I—I I, I think in principle I agree. Um. There's no question that, in theory, a properly run fantasy outlet could do wonders for the CFL. Yes, I have my concerns about how realistic that really is. Not because of the finances, not because of the you know the lack of will or right. anything like that. I question just based on what the CFL is, and that's not you know popularity or anything like that. I just don't know because the NFL works because you have 32 teams, you have like 16 yep. games a week, you have you know, three thousand players, there's there's lots of inventory of games and players to make the you know, sort of you draft a player and that player is yours unless you trade him or release him. Right. And you then you could have fairly big leagues to do that. I don't know with, you know, basically four games a week, forty odd players per team. I you know, you really only picking offensive players, so you're really talking about like twenty two players per team plus kickers over four teams how big of a fantasy sort of you know system are you really building where you can actually build these you know really successful
1: leagues that your friends want to be in but,
2: but, i don't but know that's that the, that's the that's the only concern I have about it
1: uh, to me and here's and here's my counterpoint to that I think one thing that's unique with the c f l is you always get that guy that comes out of nowhere every year or two right so you yeah, still so have you, the opportunity. So you had a
2: handful of players that you're still not you still really don't have a big base to work on and it comes that you know you you're, you're you know your top you know whoever picks the first few guys you know are likely to be the best players and they might just win
1: right but on the same note I think with the ability you know with with CFL it's so notorious for guys having breakout seasons that you never heard of you know who who knew who Shaq Evans was three years ago right like it seems like every team's got two or three of those guys that bust out and really be something and I just think like any kind of league you and your buddies can be in and grow that camaraderie, and I even think the fact that you have a smaller player pool, yeah, could you do a twelve-team dynasty league? No, absolutely not. You're right. Could you do an eight-team league? You know, so
2: basically Chicago, everyone but... gets one team in the league. Essentially, that's a basically all that, and that's all it comes down to. And I, you'd have to, you'd have to limit the roster size in some way. It have to no, be, that, it would have to I'm... be much different than what we, you know, know fantasy football to be right now
1: right but even like even every league i've ever been in has as like you can't have more than three than two quarterbacks on your team right like every league i've been in has player limits things yeah. like that right but i mean
2: overall rosters i because the pool and this the number of games per week i mean you could go down a bunch in the first day or game or two and then your week's already over there's no right. there's no real chance for a comeback as often really
1: no, but I mean, you just, you weight your point values. I mean, to me, you go quarterback, two, two, two wide outs, uh, a running back, a flex position, because we don't have tight ends, D specialty, a, a defense, and a kicker. I mean, it's not a lot, but I still think it would garner far more interest than what the league is doing with this totally unique salary cap platform that they've built. I no, just...
2: I, I, I don't disagree with that part. I yeah. just, I don't know if to that, I... you know, sort of that smaller level is really going to, you know, ramp up the interest that every, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry is wanting to do CFL fantasy.
1: Right, but on the same note, and, and you said it, even if you if you pick, you know, the first... If you pick a couple guys that are studs and your buddy that knows nothing about football that just goes off the draft rankings, and next thing you know, he wins, you know, that guy's going to be interested in football, right? I, 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 I'm not... I'm not saying it's the magic elixir that'll fix all things, no. but to me it's the most glaringly obvious thing you could do to bring in even 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 if you don't bring in new fans, I think you'd have a lot more buzz about the league and and I think you'd get you know those guys that sit there and, oh yeah, I only I only watch four down football, I only watch this. I think you'd get a guy or two that like around your workplace he's he's taken apart and honestly, I could see, like, Americans playing it. You put it on ESPN, you know, even as all jokes aside, I bet you you would get Americans and uh, playing CFL Fantasy Football. Uh, Eh. I think you would. I don't think
2: you would. Not Not in any sort of significant numbers.
1: No, not in significant numbers, but I think you'd see a little bit. And that's how the league, to me, the league needs to start doing something. And to me, it's a, obvious something small that you could do to move to move forward because everything they're doing is not working
2: no i agree that they, they they need to provide better fantasy options for fans i just i don't know if it's going to lead to the outcomes some people think it do That does that's oh, all
1: oh oh i mean it's you're not going to sell out every game all of a sudden but i think no. you'll start i think it'll be it, it's an easy simple like it's like the house is already built. You just got to, you know, finish it, drywall it. Yeah, that that work can be expensive. That work can be hard. But it's harder to sell the house without it, right? So I think you'd bring people in, and it's easy. I mean, you've got – you obviously have some sort of stat accumulating platform with CFL players on it for the stupid – like, the stupid salary cap football. I don't understand, and I'm no IT guy. I don't understand how you can't just, you know, flip the switch, and all of a sudden everybody's on a roster, right? Hmm. I'm sure you can't, I'm not suggesting it's simple, but again, you have the house half built, just finish the fucking house.
2: I mean, another way, of course, to garner more interest in the house is to make the product more interesting and exciting. Right. With different colors and, you know, fun stuff and things that people want to look at, and you know, I think it's safe to say in 2021, the CFL product wasn't great on the field. And I know some people think it's, you know, kind of bit of a one-off, but I think it's kind of been a slow downward turn. And then of course the year off sort of amplified everything. We've we've talked about this a lot on this program over the course of the last, you know, three years or so. And, you know, four downs aside, I think there are, you know, this doesn't mean we're against change. Of course not. I think there are things that, the league could do in order to, you know, sort of jumpstart the product a little bit without greatly changing, you know, sort of the fundamentals of Canadian football. And there's all kinds of discussions out there. And I think one that I hadn't even thought of until it came up in Randy's road trip, which I thought was really smart is just moving the hash marks. Yeah. And this is a conversation that apparently has been going on league around the league. And I think it's great because right now, yeah, that wide side throw in the CFL is just absolutely ridiculous. It's certainly, you know, when you, you know, if you move the hash marks to the width of the goalpost, the wide side is still going to be the wide side. I mean, it, does, yeah. it exists in the NFL as well. But if you line up sort of the same from there, you know, it won't be as difficult for anyone in the CFL to make that throw. Because, no offense to the guys here, most of the quarterbacks in the CFL don't have the arms that the NFL quarterbacks do. No. Otherwise, they'd be in the NFL.
1: <laughs> no, sir, and, 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 and you're not wrong. I, the other idea that I liked of yours, and I say this as a fan of kickers. Um, is, how you suggested, moving the goalposts back.
2: Yeah, and I have to give a little bit of credit to some other people for this one. Um, I know Phil and John Dan Plaster has been kind of in favor of this for a while, and mm-hmm. I've also had discussions about this with uh, the Green Zones' Daryl Davis from time to time. Right. Yep. He's very much a proponent, too, more so for safety than anything else, because, and to me, I know there's two, there's you know a bunch of different ways you can look at it, there's a bunch of different ways this could go, but ultimately, I mean, I think number one, there is a bit of a safety factor there. Um, number two, does this make it harder to kick field goals right like, I mean, let's just, let's encourage more touchdowns versus field goals where it's like, okay, I'm at the 40 I not I can't kick a field goal here, but there's no point in punting, and then if a coach does punt well, we can ridicule them forever.
1: It's 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 true. I mean that's we'll, we'll, we will make sure to just crucify them with uh, now voice of the bombers Derek Taylor to to point that out. So um, actually, after you publish your article, mm-hmm. uh, believe it or not, people uh, actually uh, you know read and listen to what we do. Sometimes my buddy Todd he texted me and said, "Okay, you move you move the goalposts back." But he specifically wanted me to ask you, and I apologize, I should have given you the heads up before we started oh. recording, I was gonna hit you with this, but yeah, what do you good. do what do you do with the Rouge in that situation?
2: Well, I think it almost makes the Rouge I would I mean, I would change it how I thought it should always be changed when it comes to field goals. Yeah. Where if you miss and it goes straight out, you get nothing. Yeah. Um and but if you concede it in the end zone, it's one. I agree. Because to me, that's always how it should have been with field goals. Yeah. Um, I think the rouge is something for the most part you should have to concede, not just be given. The other I, team should have to concede the rouge to you. You shouldn't just earn it automatically.
1: Yes. No. I, and I agree with you one hundred and ten percent. And that's and I even my argument to to what I had said to Todd too was, I think if anything, that deep end zone, I think you could see some potentially crazy returns.
2: Yeah. If someone like if you are down one, you know, you are down too late. And you're gonna try, you know, a fifty yard field goal from whatever the yard ends up being at that point. Yeah. And you miss, you come up short. Well, okay, you're in the middle of a twenty yard end zone now and the guy's probably got a lot of room to run.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of room to run, a lot of place for blocks to be missed. And no, I I I I like I like that idea. Um uh, I've never been a fan of the goalposts where they are. Hmm. I, ironically, with my position as a Blue Bombers fan, how that has certainly helped <laughs> yeah. us out lately. We, we know
2: of at least one quarterback in this league that would appreciate the the, <laughs> the goalpost being moved back, and probably one former CFL kicker of the same franchise. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, I would, uh, I would agree on both fronts on that. So I, I would say that that would be a... Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I would say that I would, I would like that move. I don't think it's too. And and
2: I think, you know, I I do like, I like the bigger end zones compared to the NFL. I think the the NFL, but they, it wouldn't be the worst if they shrunk them to 15 for being completely honest. Right. Not because out of some, I think, you know, some sort of changing of the game or, you know, anything like that. It's still bigger than the NFL. I think it's more than enough room to still try and score touchdowns, maybe helps with the field goals a little bit there if you move in the back. But I mean, the end zones aren't aren't all symmetrical, you know, they're all the same right. size across the league as they currently are. If you shrunk them all to 15, everyone can fit them in. Well, because well, it, yes. BMO, and I think in Montreal and Edmonton, they're kind of cornered weird. And then you, you wouldn't have that problem anymore if no. you just went to 15.
1: No. I, although I kind of like the uniqueness of that. Like, <laughs> I, well, I just, I love baseball. Like, I yeah, love, I know. you know, the uniqueness of the different, of the different, like.
2: The Montreal, what isn't too bad though? The Toronto
1: end zones are bad. The Toronto end zones are bad and multi-surface. Yeah um you're right like i just i i i like things like that 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 make a venue unique so i agree with you in principle but me as a nerd uh and this is strictly a nerd thing i would i'd be against that only only again because i like that you know same as no two mlb parks are the same like i i'm a pretty big fan of that setup so
2: well and i even with the hash marks moving i know of uh at least one franchise, and I believe Brian Valentine is only two that may not enjoy changing to, of the field dimensions because their lines are stitched into the turf
1: stupidly. Uh, hmm. Yes, so that will never happen because it will cost people that make them a lot of money money. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, Cal- Calgary, to their defense, their stadium's old. That turf is probably old. It's been that way forever, whatever. The riders had a chance to do something smart and not stitch in at least the lines, the logos, whatever, but they could have at least not stitched in the lines, and it would have been a much better service for a number of reasons, but, oh well, they made their choice.
1: They <laughs> also made their choice not to put a roof on it in Saskatchewan, but... I'm okay with that still. I'll, I'll die on that hill. Okay, that's, that's okay. You, I'm,
2: you... I'm, I'm very much a proponent of outdoor football.
1: Oh, certainly. I'm not even so much talking for for football itself. I just think the amount of things that you could do with that space, you know, all year round, considering it's a publicly owned space. <sighs> if there was some sort of shelter on it, right? Like
2: nothing rolls through in the winter. There, they. I think the ice feels fine.
1: Well, yeah. Now that they've done the ice, yeah. field. That, that's right. And 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 I I, I want to see that that curling game return. Is that I know we've talked about that before. That yeah. was bonkers, and I loved it.
2: Yeah. Um. Some other things. I think sort of the other like sort of two things that I brought up that I think the CFL could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one we've talked about a lot in this podcast is, of course, the play clock. Um, yeah. I know there's a lot of people say, oh, the 20-second play clock. It's great. It's the CFL. It's like, well, it's they a 20-second play. It's, it a, it's a 20-second play clock from when they whistle it in, which sometimes is taking upwards of a minute to happen. So the pace is not better than in the United States because of that. Because the, the the offenses don't get to run tempo. And we got to get the ball spotted faster. we got to get that clock moving faster. Running clock, I'd say you know, 20 seconds running clock is probably unrealistic. So right. if you moved it up to 30, 35 seconds, the game would keep moving, trust me. And the other thing, and it's sort of one that I know Rob Vanstone supports a little bit as well over at the Leader Post. Um, essentially, I would bump the ratio back up to eight because I think we should be employing Canadians and it's a Canadian yep. football league and all that matters. But through that, you would have to have four players on each, on each side of the ball. And that's not to say that, you know, it's not to say that Canadians can't play defense we know there are a number of Canadians who can play defense and they're only getting better at the non positions that aren't offensive line these days but at the same time most of these coaches still love to use you know 11 Americans on defense if they can so and they're having success with it that's not to knock Canadian defensive talent but coaches should be forced to have a number of you know a certain number of Canadians on defense on the field as well just to sort of level the playing field between offensive defense in that regard
1: I, I would agree with that take. I would also – I'm also a fan, though, of – to get players to stick around a little longer, that in certain circumstances, if a U.S. player spends X years with a team – and and I, I – I I'm you to me, you have to do both of these things at the same time. It's not one without the other. You bump up the ratio exactly like you and Van Stone think, mm-hmm. you know, but in on Berkeley. the same – it, right. And Barkley. yeah, <laughs> Barkley agrees with the take. Um, <laughs> um, so now that the three of you all agree, you bump up the number of people you need on the field uh, in terms of Canadians, but you allow, say, a maximum number of American players to be designated as Canadians after X amount of years with the same team. To me, that would go a long way because that's another big thing is, you know, unless you have a, you know, a serious bro crush on somebody like Sergio you know who do you get on your jerseys these days, right? Guy's gone in a year or two unless he's a quarterback, right? So, yeah, I'm I'm just
2: not sold on the idea. I don't know if I really agree with that one way or the other yet. I, it feels to me like I don't know. It does. I just can't quite put my finger on why I'm not entirely with it. Like there's parts of it I'm Like okay, yeah, some days yeah. I agree with it. Other days I'm like,
1: eh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I keep going back and forth on that one. You see that one? I I, I think you to grow the game like the if you casual... did that to me then you'd have to bump the ratio up
2: to like 10 or something
1: right exactly exa- i don't think there's a in that right and mm-hmm. i think you cap the number of you know the At number least eight of... of
2: them would have to be like natural born canadians whatever the hell the rule of that is
1: right exactly i i, I as some mm-hmm. combination but i think i think you bump the ratio up so you keep your canadian content and you say there's a maximum of Three US players that if they've been with you for at least three complete seasons, you can designate them as as Canadians for, for the game, right? Like I I think that is one thing that that the CFL does badly at. And, and this is one I don't even blame the CFL for. You know, they don't really market their stars. It's it's a similar problem to what the NHL has. The NHL has no excuse i mean you got guys on eight year you got Connor mcdavid on an eight-year contract completely miserable but i think the cfl part of the problem is is how do you promote your stars when there's a chance that they're someplace else a year later like in a very good chance there's someplace else you know a year or two later so i think part of that i don't even blame the cfl for it but i think to me that would give you incentive to keep these guys around and give incentive for guys to stay around because then, you know, you could you you could count the you know, you wouldn't have to worry about them. I even don't hate, and this is a crazy thought. I know this is one that would never happen in the CFL, but I don't hate it, is steal MLS's designated player rule. You could where you can pay one guy as much as you want to come play for your team. I I know it would never happen in the CFL, but <laughs> like
2: I could be mistaken, but wasn't that a thing at one point?
1: Well, yeah, when the Argonaut signed Rocket Ishmael for the year. Yeah. Which again, I I don't.
2: I, I don't hate I, the idea. I don't hate the idea. No.
1: I don't know how many teams like. I think it it, it wouldn't become a, a fixture like it is from my very basic understanding of the seventeenth Beth Pro Soccer Soccer League in the world, um, <laughs> but I just I think it's a cool concept, and even if you wanted to make your designated player, imagine. Imagine what you could do if, okay, Bo Levi Mitchell is the designated player for the Calgary Peters.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think I agree with him in principle. I think there would probably still be a cap on how much you could pay that player.
1: Right. Or what they uh, to me, it would be what they count against the cap. Like your designated yeah. player counts five hundred grand against your cap, but you can pay him as much as you want. You know, maybe then, you know, let's face it. To me, if you really want to get eyeballs on the game, you give an option for really talented U.S. college kids to come here and play. There isn't a a kid that's leaving the NCAA for 55 grand Canadian. You all of a sudden make it, hey, son, exactly like Rocket Ishmael, you can either play for free in the NCAA or come here, play pro ball, and get paid a million bucks in Canuck bucks, but still. Mm. I think I think you maybe there might be a guy or two. Like that's to me, you're not getting NFL stars to come here. But to me, that rule would open it up for a stud college player who's not draft eligible yet, mm. or just wants to go. Screw it! I'm like, I'm gonna go to Canada. I'm gonna make a million bucks, and then I'm gonna get drafted.
2: Uh, well, I don't know if they'd be then draft eligible in the NFL. Um, Number one, you know, football contracts aren't guaranteed. And, you know, we, I don't know if a kid straight out of college who's played American ball his whole life is going to come up here and make that, you know, he's going to come up here. And maybe he gets the money, but then he sucks and then he doesn't go to the NFL. So I think that's a big risk. And number two, name, image, and likeness in the NCAA. And this is kind of, you know, a far different path. I know a lot of our listeners probably don't understand. Right. All those guys are getting that money now. And so I don't think, you know, any sort of money that you can offer them from the CFL, even, you know, that kind of money, because a lot of those guys are even getting kind of that money through sponsorships and other things now is going to draw them up here for that year when they could just do that, continue their NCAA career and make sure they get drafted and then get paid, you know, millions of dollars just for being drafted. I I don't don't think that's going to work with an NCAA player. of any of any any sort of value
1: quite frankly so so maybe it's not the ncaa guy maybe again you start keeping your top end talent around for another year or two Maybe. maybe instead of going to be a practice roster floater you know weston dressler stays Cause he only counts a maximum against the cap. Maybe, you know, Brandon Zylstra stays, maybe Duke Williams stays, you know, some of these guys that they go to the NFL with, you know, all the hopes and dreams of, of being, being a star, you know, maybe the, the, those guys stick around for another year or two and just dominate the league in a way that we really haven't seen and, and make themselves superstars up here. Like, I, it's, this is one I've never thought of before until mm-hmm. literally this episode, but <laughs> like literally, I, I'm like, why the hell don't they do it? And I have no idea why Major League Soccer was in my head. Um,
2: I, I think it works in MLS because it's like a they have like a weird ownership structure where like every ownership owns a percentage of the league which represents their team more so than they're just the owner of their team. Right. It's all the league's money anyway to begin with, essentially. Right. Which is so. maybe a model the CFL should also consider, which I believe a lot of people
1: have talked about in the past two. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's literally an idea that came to me tonight. And I think, I don't know, I think there's something there. I would have to think about it and articulate it. And I am good at neither of those things. <laughs> but, hey, it's fun to discuss.
2: Um, On the topic of caps, you know, I also think, and we've talked about this before, I think, I think the coaching cap has been a detriment to the game.
1: Oh, it's got to go away. That's, it's a terrible idea.
2: Like coaching is more important in the game than ever. There's, yeah, we, you know, we joke about the number of coaches on rosters in American football, but I mean, that's, it's making a difference. It's making everyone at their positions better. Um, You know, I can live with some sort of cap on how much, you know, money there is in the pool perhaps. Right. But I don't enjoy, you know, the cap on the number of people in the pool. I think you should be able to have as many coaches you want under even if it's under X amount of dollars you figure out how to make it work, whatever, that's your prerogative if you want to hire twenty coaches while some other team has fifteen because you want to make your guys better and there needs to be room for sort of the young, innovative coaches to enter in the league yes. and grow up in the league.
1: Well and, and that's and the thing that, that that blows me away too is that, you know, the coaching cap and you mentioned how bad it is for you know, four CFL teams. I'm literally, I, I, I just, I know there's a lot of U sports teams because, again, these U sports guys usually the head coach is paid and everybody else is a volunteer. I don't think you should volunteer if you're working in pro ball, but no, I think so. it says something that at, at, at your, you know, set your highest level of amateur football in Canada, teams have massive staffs. Like, there's a reason for that, right? Like, I'm just looking for eight. 16. Uh, there are 19 coaches listed on the Husky football website. Yeah. Like, like, to me, if you're doing that as you're coming up into the league, you should be able to do that in the league. And if and I'm of the take that if some teams can outspend other teams on coaching and 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 To me, it's no different than teams outspending teams on facilities. They're always Mm -hmm. going to have an advantage and a financial incentive to do better so you can keep up with the Joneses, per se.
2: Yeah. In this case, probably quite literally.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jacques Cartier, show's over.